Hello guys and girls and welcome to episode 82 of the F Reality Podcast. This is a weekly VR, AR and AMR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitch. You can tune into the show live at 7pm in Europe, 6pm in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. You can also check out the audio version which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and on Anchor. If you enjoy the show please subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave us a nice review on iTunes, that really helps out. We are here live from the show floor at PAX East. We're live right now, but the actual show for you guys and girls will be pre-recorded. However, we will try and jump into the chat and interact with you as much as we can. Uh, obviously, we've been here busy at the show floor. It's been a crazy, crazy couple of days. How are you guys holding up? I'm still I'm still alive. Yeah, how, how about you? Uh, I've been cramming two to three parties in a night and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a very active, active session. Lots of physicality. So I, I should introduce you to everyone, of course. Uh, of course, this is Zimtok5, the, the, the all-night party guy. He was up till, what, 4 a.m. this morning? 4 a.m. Uh, yeah, 4 a.m. It's all right. It's been a, it's been a lovely time. We've, we've done a lot of bonding in the VR community. You know, our brethren have gone, come together and glued ourselves with alcohol. And of course, Nathy, my brother from another mother. How have you been, dude? How has it been for you so far? I've been sleeping a lot. Well, I'm very jealous <laughs> because I haven't. Like, literally, since the plane has landed, it has been flat out work, but it's been great. And uh, we should actually say thank you as well. We should say thank you to Oculus for inviting us all here, paying for the flights, paying for the accommodation and being uh, awesome hosts for us while we're here at the show. They've looked after us very well. So thank you to Oculus for doing that. We really, really appreciate it. Um, so in today's show, we're gonna be giving you our first impressions of the Oculus Rift S. We're gonna be then talking about the Oculus Quest. And then of course, all the games that we've tried on the show floor so far. So I'm sure you guys and girls are gonna really enjoy this one uh, and let's get straight into it. So in terms of Rift S, let's just quickly go around very quick first impressions from like, you put the headset on, what were your initial impressions of that headset? First thought, uh, first thought for me was having been a PSVR player for a long time, the way that the back adjustment works is far smoother an action than I thought. So like the whole baseball cap on, in and three to four seconds on time. So I was really happy with that. The other thing, the counterpoint to that is hair being pressed down and then the top strap holding your hair down. So like I was fishing with my fingers in underneath the thing, trying to get my hair out from underneath the compression spit spot there. I know you don't have that problem for me, Mike, but for me, that was uh, that was like the balancing point. So yeah, very smooth interaction with the halo head strap. So that was my first, my first impression. So your first impressions were all about the comfort of the headset more than anything else. Yeah, to be honest, that tends to follow. Like when it comes to headsets for me, comfort is number one ahead of every other thing. Yeah. Great. Okay. What about you then, Nathy? Oh, and also content is also important. <laughs> next to be. next yeah. to comfort. Comfort comfort for me is on number 2. Like games are on number number 1. I I I can handle. Now, I do have a lot of hair though. Might might be an issue. I don't know. Um so yeah, are we talking about the comfort here or what are we aiming for? Your, your first impressions. My first impressions yeah. on the comfort. I played it for like I used it for for around 20 minutes because I had to catch up with the podcast. You know, I, I, I didn't really have time to to check it out yet. So for the sake of science, I uh, I tried it out, and um, I I think the comfort is is awesome. You know, I love the PlayStation VR. I also like the Samsung Odyssey. You know, uh, comfort wise, that's that's you know Halo strap. I'm I'm a big fan of that, um, and it also 
you know, because my hair is going up, you know, it's always behind it, so I will never ruin my hair in some way. So that's that's a plus. <laughs> you, you guys, you guys are like talking about your hair this and looking is, at me, and I'm like, like the yeah, I'm sorry, the Mike. And I, I was doing my nails while I was in the headset, and it was really easy because the nose gap I realized wasn't such a problem. No, that's <laughs> But no, Mike, I'm curious. Like, what what was the first thing that struck you when you put that? Okay, so like you guys both mentioned the comfort, and I think that's valid points. Like the headset is super comfortable to wear. For me, like my first impressions of the headset, I was just really, really impressed with the Oculus Insight system, like the inside out tracking. I think that was one of my biggest concerns about this headset going into it. There are other concerns I had as well, which I'm sure we'll go into later, but um, I was just really impressed with how solid it was, you know? Like yeah. it feels better than a two sensor setup with Rift but maybe not quite as good as a three sensor setup. So it's like somewhere in the middle, I feel like. But for those of you out there that don't have a Rift already, like you're getting an incredible experience like straight out of the box with this. And I think that's the thing that impressed me the most like out of my first impressions using the headset. You know, talking about the inside out tracking, the pass through, you had described it to me, whereas um, having seen the kind of aha style that we'd seen before, now seeing the black and white view, I don't know if you've had a chance to see this yet, but the, there's a really weird thing that's going on. When you're looking through the headset, it's some kind of like, I feel bigger, but I look smaller at the same time. It's really strange. And I think what it's doing is it's because it's somehow mathematically, scientifically occluding like this bubble of an astronaut's helmet that you're wearing so that, you know, the controllers don't get too close. It does some kind of like zoom in, zoom out thing. So you feel like you're playing like one of those games, like um, uh, that F1 fighter game we were talking about where the scale was all was all mucked up. That's what it feels like to me, but it, it looks really cool. And definitely the drawing, the, the peripheral outline, it's like drawing a finger through the sand. It is the most satisfying way that they could have presented that. It feels so good. It's like like um, being a giant in a dollhouse, but still fit in the house itself without going through the roof. That's yeah, how it feels. And I think the flight game you were talking about was Flying Aces that had the weird effect. Um, but yeah, you're right. But the only headset I could try the pass-through mode on was the Quest. Did you try it on the Rift? Uh, you have to enable it. You have to enable it in the, uh, in the, in the experimental settings. So, so it's like, so there's, there's about eight or nine different experimental settings that are available. So definitely tinker with them. They're fun. There's other ones as well. I will save my other comments. Yeah. I know Oculus were a little bit concerned about us going into the sands, and this is probably exactly why. But I didn't get to uh, to try that pass-through mode on the Rift S, but I have tried it on Quest. And from what you described, it's almost identical system, I think. Black and white, grainy looking image, but stereoscopic as well. I had a weird, I had a weird thing that was worth talking about because on the Quest, I found drawing the, the, uh, the border in Guardian. One of the things I wanted to point out was it doesn't have to be a square. You could draw yourself in a nice little star-shaped pattern if you want to. And I really like that. So if you have a person standing there like we do, we typically have an attendant watching us so we don't go through the glass pane window. In addition to the Guardian system, which works well, you can draw, I could draw a line around the person, you know? Uh, it doesn't have to be a kind of a set shape. And then it calculates your kind of net area and says, oh, you're going to be playing standing or you're going to be playing room scale. Um, but what I, what I found to be odd was on Rift S, when I was setting up the Guardian system for myself, I had to use nose peeking to tell where my line was. Like it wasn't giving me the overlay on the environment from first time setup. So I don't know if that was a bug on these engineering samples that we're using or or why it didn't trigger because I wasn't getting the same kind of satisfactory draw line in the sand with the finger. It was weird. But I wonder if any, any of you can uh, replicate that when you're you know in the booth or whatever later on. 
I think quick heads up, these uh, Rift S's and Quests that are here are all prototypes. No, so there there might still be some stuff that they are working on or, you know, because you can see it. Like there's this, this number on the front that tells you that it's still exactly. a prototype. And they're all serialized, of course, so they don't go walking because there's, you know, thousands of people. Although, although, you know, they don't give us some kind of prototype that is not because they're coming out soon. It's not so far off, but the thing that um, they cautioned for me, because I noticed something with the glove that I'm wearing now, part of the old outfit, and for those audio listeners, it's just a normal biking glove, um, gripping the touch control like quite tightly in Beat Saber and things like that caused the panel to slide down. That has never happened to me on the original revision of the of the touch, you know, and touch 2.0 yeah. was having that problem. And one of the attendants said engineering sample and I got the vibe. We've actually sorted that problem. So I'll be very interested to see the kind of, you know, 2.0 edition of touch the production model and see if they've sorted the battery door. Otherwise, that's going to be a pain for me. Yeah, so the magnet isn't that strong. So when you when you get a little sweaty, you kind of pull it with your hands. So there's some, you know, you get some grip there and then uh, you slide the panel out and then you lose it. Um, I mean, these controllers that come with the Quest and the Rift S, because those are the same ones, um, they are not as solid as the Touch ones. I feel like they're a little more on the material-wise, at least. I find that they're a little bit smaller, like a little they bit are, smaller. Yeah, yeah, they are uh, smaller. The thumbstick is smaller as well, but I've got like baby-sized hands, so it's fine for me. Um, yeah, Okay. Yeah. Like it's okay. But did you find? Do you find the twenty percent shrink? Shrink. It feels like honey shrank my kids, right? And then they shrunk it down by twenty percent. For me, it's okay. Like you, decent kind of normal size hands. But if you're a mammoth, might be a problem. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And it's also worth noting that these controllers are going to be the standard controllers going forward. So if you've got an original Rift and you break your controllers, then these are the ones you're going to have to buy as replacements. They will work with the original Rift. However, original touch controllers won't work with Quest and Rift S. So on the hand point, one of the things uh, Terry Wood, who we had on the last podcast, mentioned, because he's got big Italian hands, uh, is his, his hand actually goes past the control to the point where, say, his pinky is completely off and he's holding it with his first three fingers. And so it feels kind of awkward for him. And I, I didn't catch his, his vibe. If this is the same length, I think it is in terms of touch and uh, at you know one and 2.0. So that's one if you've got big hands, maybe try it out in a shop somewhere you know, before taking the, the dip, but it's really on parity, I think, with uh, with the original touch controls in terms of size. There must be a reason why they made it smaller. So maybe there are more people that fit this size than the previous one. Asian but market. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> who knows? I, I also do like the fact that there is a standard going forward. You know, they're standardizing across headsets. I do like that. So you can move from Quest to Rift S and feel completely comfortable swapping between the two headsets. So I like that. Um, so we talked about the controllers, we talked about the comfort a little bit, but let's talk about some of the real concerns that some of the community have had about the Rift S in particular. And one of the biggest concerns was this 80 hertz refresh rate, right? Um, you know, we've been told from the very beginning that 90 hertz was the standard for VR. It's been drummed into us since day one. You know, we've hit this magic number now, it's 90 hertz. Anything below this, you're not gonna have a great experience, particularly on PC. We, we understand those sacrifices on mobile with Go and Quest that, you know, run at 72 hertz because it's mobile hardware. You understand that. But when you've got a PC that's got a 2080 Ti, you think, well, I want to be pushing the maximum frames. However, with that said, I didn't notice it. Did you guys notice it? I, I, you uh, made a comment of this in your video of all this yesterday, and I, I watched that, and I was like, I'm going to look this morning specifically for that. 
I found in Asgard's Wrath, if you look down, the shadow that casts on the ground looked like a real life shadow. That's how convincing it was. I did not notice any, like I, I didn't passively notice. And when I actively looked, it looked silk smooth. So, and 80 Hertz, uh, again, I said it before, I, I bought into why they made the changes. And I really do still feel that like on a go, 72 has never been a problem for me. So 80, I don't know. Maybe I'm just of that age. Maybe, a, you know, there's a 16 year old kid out there who's going to be like, this is so terrible. But for me, perfect. It's fine. Unnoticeable. I mean, I, I never really experienced the difference between a go or a rift or, and that's like 72, right? right. That's way lower. And I, I don't, don't really see any difference. It's both as good as, I, I think there, there's a misconception of what the experience is like. And I feel like the people that are concerned don't completely know what the difference means in, in what way and what effect it has. It's not something visual you can really see. It's there, but you don't see it. I'm curious though, like with super sampling, why, I mean, do we ever, do we have a headset that's running 120 or 200 Hertz? You know what I mean? Like what would the effect feel like? Yeah. Would it feel like, you know, those, those newfangled TVs that you look at, God, I just said newfangled. Please strike that from the record. Um, you know, it, it, if you look at one of those TVs, it almost feels like too smooth. I remember it coming out with, um, was it the Hobbit or something like that, where they had the new frame rate and you're looking at it, you're like, that doesn't, it just doesn't look right. Like something's wrong. There's interpolation. So I'm wonder, I'm really curious for a headset to be, you know, pushing 150 Hertz and see what that feels like. I wonder if there would be any benefit to humans or is the eye just not, I wish we had Rowdy here. Rowdy, miss you, dude. You know, another example is like a lot of people own a TV and it's running on 60, yeah. 60 Hertz. Yeah. And then you go to a movie and it's like 24 yeah. Hertz because that's like the movie standard, right? Yeah, and and if you ask people like, oh, do you, you don't, don't see it. No. You don't see it. Even when I had my Oculus Rift DK1, I was having fun. And I wasn't like, oh, I need more. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter. But I do understand that people are like, they hear this whole thing popping up. And, you know, if, if you're still not sure after what we said, then try it out and then you can. But I'm sure there are maybe a few people that might because they have a certain, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's rare. I think it's very rare. I think, I think you know, if you did like a, a Pepsi challenge, right, you know, 90 hertz yes. and 80 hertz. I think you'd That's be it. you'd be hard pushed to tell the difference. Yeah. And like you said, at the end of the day, you're in the game, you're having a great experience. And I would just say, put it out there for the people that, you know, did have concerns. There was a lot of people on Reddit as well looking at the specs and being really worried about this headset. And I just think overall, you shouldn't be, right? With, with, with any headset, I think every every headset that is like on the market now has a has a high enough standard in terms of Hertz. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's the that's the 80 Hertz in a nutshell. <laughs> yep. But let's let's move on to the resolution then, because we know the resolution is 1280 by 1440 pixels per eye. It's using an LCD panel. Um, it's, it's a very pixel dense LCD panel, uh, like we've seen on the PSVR. Very nice clarity in terms of image in the display. Same deal with the Rift S as well. What did you guys think of the resolution? Sorry, what headset are we talking about now? Rift S still. So Rift S, um, I really liked the bump. I would say that if anyone remembers this, and I. Someone had to remind me of this. When we jumped from DK2 to CV1, it was a bit of a disappointment out of the box. You're like, wow, is that all that's there in the step? It felt like 25% in terms of an improvement. This feels like 15 to 20% of an improvement. Like it feels less of a step forward in terms of core on paper stats. But the overall experience for me is, and I, know, I think Mike, you're sitting on the other side of the table of this. 
the other the overall experience for me as Rift is my daily driver still would I would I would happily two years on sell on my Rift or keep my Rift as a backup and buy this new headset like that that would be my recommendation to people because I think the comfort factors they've added with the head strap with the tracking and the fact there's no cameras the ease of setup all these things add together in a package that's actually a really nice kind of push forward but it's a balanced push forward it's not a Pimax push forward which is very pointed and saying I'm going to give you this one piece of the product I think Oculus have done a very good job of broadening that and it is it's a slight step forward but is it as comfortable as some of the other people we've heard reporting the headset? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm actually impressed at how good it was to feel to throw it on, you know. And if the only gripe I have about it is a slight bit of contrast of an issue and the hair thing, I'm well happy. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm coming away from day and a half of playing with this thing. It's a good headset. What about resolution for you? <laughs> I mean, for a revision, it's fine. You know, this is not the 2.0 uh, headset. Uh, it's not the next gen. You know, it's more like an updated version of the Oculus Rift. Um, you know, if you if you only owned a Rift and you have never really tried any other headsets, or then you will see the difference. I mean, when I went from my Rift to the Go, because I feel like the you know the Go is kind of like the si similar the similar resolution or the same almost. Um, and you can see it's sharper, you know, um, it's nice. But in the end, you know, I don't believe that resolution is really going to give you a better experience. Looking at the difference between the Rift and the Rift S, mm -hmm. that, you know, if you would stay with your Rift, you're going to have a fun time playing a game. Oh, if yes. you play with the Rift S, I don't know. it's going to be the same. It's what, not going to change. What about like, I mean, I noticed uh, as the benchmark Stormland. Stormland in the Rift, I always felt a little bit held back. The detail in the Rift S for me is now better. So although we're taking, and, and we haven't touched really on this in depth yet, but the contrast is probably the one noticeable step backwards that I've noticed. Things are that little touch grayer. You pick this headset up like what you said, Mike, if you're a new consumer, you pick this thing up, you won't know. But if you come from a Vive, you'll notice. Um, if you come from a Rift, after a, you know a couple of minutes in the headset, you'll just forget about it. Um, but otherwise, it's a really solid offering that way. And I think, you know, it's it's one of those headsets that when you see it comparing to the Rift, I'm gonna have a t difficult time going back to the Rift now, the original Rift. I am gonna like the Go optics. The thing for me that is the main part, and I wonder if you noticed this, the sweet spot for me. Have, we've now reached the threshold of like, the sweet spot is good enough. Because even the Rift is a little positional. Sometimes it'll be off your face or whatever. This one's got just enough play. I would say it feels like enough of like the size of a quarter, an American quarter, where you can have your eye in there and you've got perfect sharp view in that space. And so I actually think now they've nailed sweet spot on this headset. And I'm really happy with that. I think that in the end, for me, it's, it's kind of like if you haven't tried it, you're not going to miss it. That's it. And if you, yeah, if there's like a Rift S somewhere and you're like, you try it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. But as long as you haven't tried it and you're not really that worried about resolution, I don't think you're going to miss out. I don't think you're missing out at this moment. Um, again, you know, I don't believe that resolution is going to really make your experience far superior based on this difference between the resolution. Um, so yeah, I don't know about you. But. Well, I think, you know, the resolution is really the only reason why you would upgrade to this headset, right? Unless, you know, you you don't have sensors mounted permanently and you have to set them up each time. Maybe, you know, saving up some setup time, maybe that's another good reason to push forward. But other than that, there's no real other reason to upgrade, in my opinion. However, with that said, 
just like you, Zim, I don't want to play Asgard's Wrath and Stormland on any other headset. Yeah. So although I say that, I say it with a caveat with my own experiences, I, I would want one playing forward. But then again, I'm, I'm a hardcore enthusiast. That's, yeah. that's the difference. What you're basically saying is that the ecosystem Oculus created is forcing you to go to the next headset. Because that's what happens. Because in the end, you know, this Rift, the warranty people have is going to run out soon and then you have to upgrade anyway. So what we're talking about here, you know, all these specs, it's great, you know, but if you are really into this ecosystem and you spend so much money on all these games and all these gadgets, you're going to gonna buy it anyway. So all these people fighting on Reddit right now saying like, hey, uh, you know, I don't want to buy it because, you know, it's not really an upgrade. You're going to do it anyway. Or you're going to maybe, maybe they jump onto another ship, you know, a, a different brand. Possibly, you know, because then, you know, you have the Pimax, the Axtal and the, 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 all these other, you know, high-end uh, headsets. But, you know, if your warranty runs out, you're screwed. And you're going to buy the new one and then you have like another two years warranty again. Unless. And that's why they didn't restock because they, this way, people will roll into the new the new lineup. But So, I mean, they've also replaced it. So you don't have a choice, right? In, in a lot of places, Rift is sold out and your only choice is to turn to a friendly Rift scalper like Zim. Because <laughs> I actually ended up buying a European edition of the Rift, new, now just arrived at home yesterday. Uh, and it, and it, but the, the only purpose is, like the stock market, you know, those things are off the shelf. Someone six months from now is going to pay a little bit more for another headset. Only problem is warranty. That's the only issue, though. Zim warranty. Yeah, Zim warranty. I think I think my prediction here is that most people will buy this headset even if they don't like it right now, and they will like uh, maybe um, learn to like it. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. But there will be a small percentage now that sees what happened with this Oculus Rift S, how they announced it, and they, they kind of feel like they might want to now, you know, support a different brand. And there are so many headsets out there right now, you know. I feel like with the Oculus Rift S and, and they, the way they, um, you know, uh, threw it onto the market, I feel like there is now more competition for the other headsets. Mm -hmm. Because first, you know, the Oculus Rift, great headset there wasn't much out there that was better or and now since you know it's it's they downgraded it slightly i feel like there's now chance to buy other headsets that come really close to you know the what what the rift s does of course you have these five cameras but on the other side if you played mixed reality with two cameras on the front it works fine it works fine it's just that you know if you spend a lot of money into this ecosystem I don't think you're gonna jump onto another headset that uses Steam or a Vive part or a Windows Store or whatever. That's the thing. It's just for the really hardcore, you know, users that are gonna stay. And for consumers, yes, I totally agree. Great headset, but as a consumer, there are more headsets out there that you could also buy. It's not the Rift as being the best consumer headset right now, in my opinion. I mean, you can even spend less money and still have a, a fun experience. Most people want to play Beat Saber. Mm. Do you need five cameras for Beat Saber? I don't think so. No, and you're absolutely right. There are there are plenty of different options out there. You know, the Samsung Odyssey again is a fantastic Windows Mixed Reality headset, and it converted my opinion on that whole platform. You know, you've got Pimax doing their thing. You've got HP with their new Windows Mixed Reality uh, headset. You've got Vive Cosmos coming up in the very near future with its inside-out tracking, but that's going to have potentially high-resolution displays, 2160 by 2160, which is this new magical number that we've heard that is really exciting. So there's plenty of options out there, but I think, you know, as a newcomer to, to VR, you know, this headset does make things very accessible, just like the Windows Mixed Reality platforms. But I think you're right. You've got to really consider the ecosystem that you're going to invest in long term to choose which brand and which headset you align with. Because in the end, it is 400 bucks, you know, and, and they will drop it for sure. They will. Um, let's say 
if you are someone, if you are a consumer and you're still on the line buying a headset, the only reason why I would buy the Rift S or a Quest or a Go is because Oculus is funding most of the games and no other company is doing it. So if you're really, you know, this game had and you want to play some some good titles and you want to be, you know, awarded for, for buying this headset and still get nice games for the upcoming two years and not get bored by your headset and put it on the shelf, the best the best option is to go for the Rift, but then even you have these dry seasons on Oculus Home where there's nothing to play, but it's the best option in terms of like uh, uh, software, I would say. And it goes back to your point about how content, again, is king, right? I mean, it's a very important thing. And, and I, I do find it very interesting when you look at competitors on the market and you look at other headsets like Pico Neo and you know these that literally have like no games for them like there's almost no reason to buy the equipment the equipment technically is like you're like oh maybe this would go shoulder to shoulder and then you give it a go and you're like there's no way I would purchase this thing um so I think it's really interesting and you get a very warm at least I do get a very warm feeling now anytime I see Oculus Studios come up at the beginning of a game they have maintained a consistency a flavor of quality and I, they don't say much about it. I haven't heard much about the internal quality standards that Oculus uh, have in terms of that studio or feedback in the same way that we've heard from, let's say, PlayStation and the grueling QA that they have to get a developer onto the, onto the store. But I have to say they've done a great job over the years, now that we're into 1.5 territory, of having software that's, that's, that's landing on the platform that is exclusive to the platform that works beautifully with those with their equipment. I mean, it, that, that, it's, a, it's a wonderful environment to, to buy into, to be honest. It's, it's, it's the best option in terms of where you can like like play your games, but also not. It's also the worst option because in the end, uh, like Oculus is funding all these games. But if we have seen the market right now for the last two three years, there's almost no let's say triple A developer that really funded their own title and brought it to the platform and this has been going on for like 2 3 years and it's not a good sign that Oculus needs to spend money to make all these games happen because on the PlayStation if you use that as an example developers do it themselves you know and it works and they also sell but as right now if you are a developer and you make a game for let's say the Rift S it's kind of risky if you make one for the Quest better chance of selling something but PC right now, it's kind of tricky. I think you, you made a good point there about PlayStation and developers going it solo with PlayStation titles. But you got to remember, like, PlayStation is killing it right now, and they're the biggest platform out of everyone, you know? Yeah. Was it, like, over 4 million headsets sold now yeah, in terms of uh, PlayStation? So, you know, I think if we get an announcement this year that PS... VR2 is coming. It's going to be a very exciting time for everyone. Um, but like, let's go back on track a little bit and, and sort of bring it back to Rift S and talk about the tracking. Because I, I sort of touched on it at the very, very, very beginning that the inside out tracking from Oculus Insight was very impressive. I really tried to, to mess it up and uh, you know test its limits. I was, I was swapping things behind my back, which I just didn't even think would be possible with this kind of system. And it's tricky like it works 80 percent of the time doesn't work all the time but did you, find, did you find that it that it when it didn't work that that did you feel that that was a software limitation i mean do you think the system was capable of doing it based on what you were you were testing or did because i found in asgard's wrath tried to pass the blade behind behind your hands i don't think that the game is necessarily adopting that because if you turn slightly and and then your your kind of hand is there 
it'll do it. So I can reach my hand right the way around my back, and I'm like, oh, flicking a blade or whatever. And it, it is smooth, but I was wondering, like, from the test that you did, what was your take on it? Do you think it's a system limitation, or is it rather the software that's running on that system? No, it's, a, it's a system limitation. So that, that example you gave with Asgard's Wrath, at some point you were, like, looking at the hand, so that's fine. Yeah, so the way I tested it was in, in Oculus Home, I got like a really long odd object, right? Like a, it was like actually a coat rack and I held it at the base. So then I, I took the base, so I could see the tip of it up here and then I was slowly moving it backwards and I was seeing the tip and making small movements and seeing if it was tracked. And for the most part it did, like above my head, behind my back, everything. It was only when it's right in the square of your lower back, that's when it gets occluded and it can't do it. But there are occasions where the, the the software must make up for it somehow the loss of tracking and and calculate what you're doing and um so i was able to pass the coat rack from behind my back to one hand to the other like i said 80 percent of the time it worked 20 percent of the time it didn't but what we learned from that was that this tracking system is good enough also did you find like i was worried that Again, I call it the astronaut's helmet of tracking because when you get it close enough, some developers like uh, Vacation Simulator and stuff will phase out your hand so you don't get, you don't bring your hand too close. But what I found was in the, in the applications that don't do that, um, you can actually bring the controllers almost close enough to touch the headset and they're tracking you almost all the way there, which I found really impressive. And I, I found there was a discernible difference between Quest and S S, you can get closer and still be tracking. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's as you said, good enough. You know, that doesn't sound like it's perfect, but it's solid. Exactly. And uh, the thing is, as long as you just play your game like a normal person and you're not going to do this slow-mo and it's like, oh, I'm going to put something behind my back super slow, then, yeah, no, it's not going gonna, gonna, it's gonna to work. But if you just do fast movements, it's fine. You know, it's fine. Um, uh, there is one thing that I do want to say is that it sounds like from your experience that there is just a dead spot yeah. and this is maybe not going to disappear, but there is this spot that you just know after playing for a while, like, okay, that's where I should not put my controller. Yeah. Problem fixed it was for, for at least for you then. In yeah, a way. it was really interesting. I watched an interview uh, with Ben Lang and uh, Jason Rubin, Ben Lang from Road to VR. He did a really great interview with uh, Jason Rubin about the Rift S tracking. And and Jason Rubin made a really solid point. And he was saying, even with a three sensor track up, uh, tracking setup, the controllers will be occluded when they're right in front of you. And he said that you're not looking at them at that point. So it doesn't really make any sense. Of course, with Rift S, the controllers are occluded when they're right behind your back which generally in game doesn't happen anyway. So he regards Oculus Insight as a superior tracking system to three sensors. I don't personally agree with that, but I think he makes an interesting point. Um, but let's move on to IPD, because this was another big issue. Um, very important. Very important. Um, and the, the issue was that they moved from hardware adjustment slider to a software-based IPD adjustment. And people were really concerned, including me, uh, that sits on the very lower end of the IPD spectrum, uh, that we were gonna be basically locked out of the ecosystem. You know, like you say, we've invested in this ecosystem and now we can't actually use a headset to play our games anymore. Like that would really suck. And, and many people were upset about that and I completely get why. I was concerned as well. However, I was able to look and what I, from what I saw, the IPD range of the Rift S was 58 millimeters to 72 millimeters, which is actually pretty decent range. Uh, I, I sit around sort of 59, 60, and uh, for the most part, I had a great time in the headset, didn't have any issues. But what, what about you guys? 
Yeah, so we're talking about digital IPD here, right? Exactly. Not okay. with a slider. You know, no, you could do it with, with, with a slider before, like that's something physical and this is like in, in, in software. Yeah, exactly. And you actually manage this through the uh, system dashboard on your PC now, not in the headset. What was the gradation on the system? I think it's 0.5 millimeter grades, as in you can go plus, 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 and it goes, it hops up. I don't think it's 0.1 of a millimeter that you can adjust it in. And I think that's software locked down from what I could see. Because again, it's not, a, it's not a digital slider. I think it, it jumps from 63.5 to 64, 64.5, you know? And, and to be honest, I didn't look at the in increments or I can't remember what the increments were. Um, so yeah, I can't answer that question. But I think for the most part, the, the people that were concerned about IPD with the Rift S, I think you're gonna be fine. But no, hang on, hang on. So, so you, you've seen in the software, the range it can go, yeah. right? Is that necessarily, um, is that backed up by what by what can actually be done by the lens distortion what i'm what i'm saying is that assumes that there is a linear distortion curve that's happening that's equally as effective at either end of the spectrum that's not necessarily the case so i'm very very interested as a guy who sits smack in the middle i'm a 64 millimeter eye guy which is great for me but not great for people who need testing we need to find some test subjects i think but what is it going to mean in the wild people who are at the peripheral edge of that what is that going to, you know, what does it compare going from a Rift to a Rift S? And is that person now in complaint territory? Even though the software supports it, maybe they're not satisfied. And that's what I'm really keen on hearing because although the numbers are on there on the on paper, I'm nervous that given what they've, what the product teams have said, Nate and, and others, what is that experience gonna be like? Are people really going to feel a little bit like hard done by? It's gotta be hard sitting in that, in that range. Um, but I mean, Again, the numbers speak for themselves. You sit on the low end of the spectrum. You had a positive experience. Anything in that, I mean, when you say that, is there anything you would call out to the audience that you noticed that stood out to you or it was just not discernible at all? It was just equal on par with Rift? Yeah, I think it was on par with Rift, to be honest. You know, like uh, I think the, the, the thing that happens when your IPD isn't adjusted properly, it you, everything seems a little bit off. Um, it causes eye, eye strain. Uh, it can cause nausea if you're new to, new to VR, um, but I didn't have any of that with with the Rift S. So, and and that along with the other things we've talked about, the other concerns I had has kind of sold me on the Rift S as a headset. You know, uh, I did have serious concerns about it before coming here, but I think most of those concerns have been alleviated from having hands-on time with it. Nancy, what's your IPD? My IPD is uh, I think it's 64, 65 in between that range. Close, yeah. So uh, for me, it was never really a problem. So what you're saying is like you know, it's not really blurry, you know, it's sharp when you look into this sweet spot. Um, so if you're an all-round consumer and you buy this headset, then you should be fine. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I, I don't know the specs of the Rift, original Rift IPD range off the top of my head, unfortunately, uh, to compare it. Uh, but I think it's pretty solid. You know, if you sit on the outskirts, then then maybe you want to go for another headset. You know, if it's if it's if you're 74 or or, or 56, then I think you know it's going to be too far out for you to have a pleasurable experience. But really, that 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 58 to 72 is is a pretty wide range. So is is digital like a digital IPD as good as a physical IPD? Personally, I prefer uh, physical IPDs. Um, I think it, it, you you see that instant change, whereas you're doing this with the headset off. Uh, I didn't see any sort of calibration with lines lining up like you had with the original Rift to get it right. So you must 
have to go to an optician and, and find out what your IPD is from a professional to then input it into the software maybe because I haven't seen that calibration in the software anywhere. Also, you know, with the original Rift, it's like the slider and uh, it tells you in a tutorial how to do that, but now it's in the software. So it's more of a bigger step for people to now go into their computer and do it there. So I feel like the, it became a more complicated thing instead of became easier to do. Exactly, and especially if you've got friends and family over and you're swapping between different people in the headset, you're, you know, you're gonna have to go into the software and adjust it each time. Why, why don't we have IPD, you know, Netflix profiles for the, the people who use your headset? Why, why, why do we have to swap it back and forth? Because it feels today like my wife hopping in my car and adjusting my seat and mirror. And every time I go back in, it's like, God damn it, you got such small eyes and it's like, let me just switch this back. You know, why Why couldn't we implement a simple profile that would just remember a setting, you click on it and boom. And then maybe even have a custom library to say these are the titles that I've recently played instead of having all of the, I'm trying to think of a real condescending game that she could be playing a lot of. I, I can't even have to think of an example. Well, there goes my joke. You know, as long as Oculus educates people the right way with a with maybe a video that they watch uh, up front, you know, or telling people in the in the store what the IPD is all about, what that means before they buy, then that would be highly appreciated. Wait, hang uh, on. You just made a point about videos. I'm so glad that putting this headset on, I didn't have to do any, like there, was, there were a couple of uh, pain tutorial steps, but there was no videos. And I actually liked the departure from videos because before it felt like, okay, here's the 20 minutes of, of videos that I'm gonna watch someone do the thing, then I'm gonna do the thing. It didn't feel efficient. Now with the Guardian system the way it is, it's very easy. I mean, it's like a two minute setup. It's literally like two minutes. I think just on Amazon everywhere, the IPD should be in the description just to be there. And also with a quick explanation of what it is. And also when people buy the headset, it's in the manual, it's in, just explain because IPD, yeah, we're talking about IPD, oh yeah, we know what it is. But if you like go here and ask people, you know what an IPD is? They're like, well, what is that? Is that a UFO? What is that? It sounds like something you put it's, like, it's like a car bomb or something. Well, like, usually, usually I just say like, it's the space between your eyes. That's all you need to know. Yeah. But like, I wonder what the, what Oculus's formal return policy is based on IPD concerns. Because the Go, I know, you know, I ran a competition with the Go, someone won it and they're like, I can't use this. I'm outside the range. I'm at 72. This thing is no good for me. And that was my first introduction to like, oh, it's that bad. It's not just like slightly uncomfortable or slightly out of focus. It, you know, I, I know for some people it's, it's a total showstopper. So I wonder if Oculus are, let's say, uh, appreciating that in their return policy. Okay. Oculus, tell us, let us know in the comments. <laughs> so yeah, that is Rift S. Uh, I think we've talked enough about Rift S. Um, so let's move on to uh, the Quest. You know, let's talk about the Quest because I think, you know, the, the Rift S definitely has its place. I think it's a good headset, but really the darling in my eyes is the Quest, you know, and, and I think as well, Although I love the Quest, and I, I'm sure you guys probably feel the same way about it, I think we've got to set some expectations here because there's some people out there that think the Quest is basically a Rift S mobile. That's not the case. Please, like, set your expectation levels appropriately because, you know, although you're going to be able to play some Rift games on Quest, they're not going to be the same visual clarity and graphical fidelity as playing it on Rift. Rift is always going to be the best experience. I'm sorry to say that, but that is going to be the case. There is a, a material... Um, issue in this space at the moment because the majority of trailers that I've seen have been composited and captured with a Rift, not a Quest, and then promoted at that level of fidelity. And when you get into the headset, the lower fi scenes, uh, the you know the 
even even some frame rate stutter in places, like when you feel that, you're like, oh, I am on a mobile power headset and you notice it. Now I'm not saying that, that it's not a cool headset and like you, to call it your darling, like it's, it's the two guns wild wild west. Like I definitely want to be part of this ride. And I think that a lot of people, if they had to make a choice would probably end up going Quest instead of Rift S if they're gonna put their $400 on the table. I, I do agree with you that, that right now the marketing, they, especially here on PEX, they are doing is kind of lacking in a way where there is no real difference between what these two headsets are. And it's funny that after I tried the Quest demo, they were asking me, hey, you want to do a survey? It's like, yeah, sure. So I, I went into this survey and they had like an iPad laying around and it was asking me like, do you know what an all-in-one gaming headset is? And I got the option to pick an Oculus uh, Quest, an Oculus Rift S, stuff like that. So they are very, very concerned that people don't know the difference. And I'm afraid that that's actually the, the truth. Yeah. And um, even um, more interesting is that they, they don't only do it after people try demos, but they also do it at the giveaway booth there where they ask people, what, what do we have here? Is this an all-in-one gaming headset or is this a inside-out tracking PC headset? And then they can win stuff. But honestly, you know, if you're not going to reach as, uh, like an overall thought by uh, with, with people what, what these two headsets are by doing it at PAX because PAX is not the the source of what this headset is going to be and what people think about it. So I, I don't know what they are doing, but we all know that the, the Rift S was like a quick thing that came out. You know, this is not something they have been like working on for years. They have been working uh, together with Lenovo, you know, they bought their blueprint and they worked together to bring it out. Oh. And now the Quest, the Quest has been like in, re like in has been in development for a while, and now these two need to suddenly be out there together. I wish they went for a more separate way, because right now consumers seem to be con confusing. And I, I think it will. People confused. Are gonna it They're gonna be kind of confused that way. And the only the other thing I was gonna say here was, you know, in, in, in terms of the marketing strategy, I think it comes down to dev tools. Like giving devs the ability to capture in the same way that you give creators to capture is, is I think, uh, at the base of this, because we've talked to development teams who've had to just compromise, code their game to be able to capture all those kinds of things. And I think that it's, this problem will resolve itself, but for that initial wave of inductees, they might be in for a little bit of a hard lesson. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. And like, you know, I keep on seeing it again and again in comments, like, will I be able to connect the Quest to Steam VR? That's not gonna happen. You know, will I, I be able to play Stormland or Asgard's Wrath on the Quest? That's not gonna happen either. Um, however, I'm pleased to say that, you know, games like Beat Saber, games like Dance Central, they look great on Quest. They play great on Quest. And, you know, now finally today is the first time that we've actually been able to capture Quest gameplay on the headset, just like you can with the Go, with game audio, and we're gonna be able to share that on our YouTube channel. So you will finally be able to see actual recorded footage from a Quest on YouTube, so that's great. And I, I think like from our perspective, I'm sure we can kind of, you know, make clear to, you know, VR enthusiasts, but also consumers what the difference is. But Oculus also needs to pull it off because otherwise it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, people are gonna buy the wrong headset, puts them off, kills kills the the sales straight away you know some people buy a headset once and they're like you know i'm not gonna bother again i don't think people are gonna buy the quest first and they're like well that's not what i was looking for and then they buy the other one that's not gonna happen it's a one-time buy and if it then doesn't work then it's kind of yeah, over this is actually it, 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 it this is weird this, i i tended to stay away from the poisoning the well wording back in the dk1 dk2 days with all the cheap headsets out there that weren't at that grade 
But now I'm wondering a little bit if someone gets into a quest, it's not meeting their expectations, and then they turn away from VR. I, I'm not sure because because on the flip side, and I know we've talked a little bit counter to the quest for the introduction here, which I don't think necessarily matches all of our like. I, if we all said you know hands up if you're excited about the quest and you're really keen on owning one, I think we'd all have hands in the air. I mean, I was playing hardcore expert plus beat saber and it tracked everything it was keeping up with me and i was like super impressed at that i think i think even in, in in quest tracking across the board i've lost it maybe three times within a reasonable distance it's not exactly the same as rift s but it's you know if if, if rift s tracking is 95 percent of the time accurate quest is 90 percent. like it's 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 a very small grade difference i find between the two you know, the, the only thing that kind of saves the, the Rift as right now and the Quest to be like separate is because they worked with Lenovo and they had to kind of compromise on design so you can finally see the difference. But if they almost look the same, like a lot of people wanted, we would have a bigger issue because of right now you can still kind of see the difference yeah. if you buy it. But seriously, if they don't change the packaging and stuff and they put them next to each other, it's going to be it's going to be a little I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's a really interesting point because I always wanted the Rift S to look like Quest. But you make a really, really good point that when it's on the shelves together, if they look the same, there would be nothing to distinguish them and it would confuse consumers even more. So it's, it's the it's one a... with the blue light. Yeah. <laughs> Rift yeah. S is the one with the blue light. Quest, no blue light. Yeah. But still, Oculus does need to educate people. They have to do it. And it's not only here in America, because you know, um, usually when they have a new product, they bring it to Best Buy, they bring it to all the stores, and you can check it out. But in Europe, for example, I never see that stuff. So if they are smart, they tour around like uh, HTC did with the Vive back then. They had this big you know, truck, and they were driving around the country, and they also uh, advertised everywhere so people could sign up and stuff like that. I think that would be, a, would be a good point. Or in terms of what PlayStation VR does, is that you can have this app, and you can sign up for a demo. And if they built that into the app where it's like you can choose this all-in-one gaming headset or one for your PC, then people can also kind of try what they are interested in. But now, people standing in line, but I don't think most people know really what they are going to try and if it's hooked up to a PC or not. I don't think so. From, from what my experience is, because I walked through the lines a couple of times and spoke to a couple of people there and they didn't know what they were going to try. For many, this was their first time ever trying VR anyway. I'm so scared of that, Mike. Throughout the convention today, I'd say the majority of people I've spoken with who are obviously here for gaming reasons, haven't they're like oh I, I know about it i've heard about it it seems cool i've just yet never tried and i'm like dude just get in that get in that fucking queue now yeah. get in that queue now like i don't i still don't understand how that is like allowable in our culture i want to find a way to like force people into vr can we do that the great thing though is like oculus have had, have huge presence here at pax you know they've got like they've got the main stage center of the show floor these two great big booths oculus and facebook gaming and you know there are other sort of vr experiences dotted around the show floor but it's right in the middle oh, okay playstation's right next door as well so yeah and 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 that's really great to see you know all this vr on the show floor but like you say i still feel from the general feeling of the people at the show they still haven't played it played vr or tried it you can clearly see that here, how they built the, these two boots, you know, that they're trying to separate it, but then still 
people don't really know. Plus, you know, the problem is, is that the Rift S, you can see what people are playing, but with the Oculus Quest, you can't because there is no casting. There is, you. they had this iPad at um, Oculus Connect, you know, with Dead and Buried, so you could look through the iPad as a portal and see what people were playing. If they did that here, and they put like maybe uh, a TV on like the, the, the window of someone playing and you could see them and you could look through this portal and you make this as a marketing thing, Maybe I should do the marketing of Oculus, I, I don't know. I remember us highlighting this point to, it was Palmer Lucky, I think at the time we were talking to him about it, and John, and it was like, like seeing it now years later, maturing into the same problem of VR is a shared experience, not naturally. People like it as this like spectator thing, like I'm gonna watch this dude do it, and then I get excited, and the mirror neurons in your brain are firing off, and you're like, I need to beat Saber. I've never done this before. So I'm, I'm really keen on like the show presence, fantastic to see that not all cons are created equally mike and i know haven't seen uk res and been quite disappointed no. there there are other cons where there's like almost no presence mm -hmm. here you're talking central park vr at pax the other thing that they've done that i want to highlight because pax have done a wonderful thing it's been known the barrier to entry if you want if you're excited about vr and you want to get into it has been a three-hour wait on average in past in past pax years they've created a Vive and Rift VR free play area, which have queues of about 20 minutes. And th there's about, I would estimate maybe 35 to 40 booths. You just go in, you play what you want from a selection of like eight to 10 titles on what whichever headset you want. There's literally a Rift queue and a Vive queue. And you just get in line, you go play. That's not being advertised as much as I hope it would. So if you happen to be catching this, let's say on Saturday, you're coming in on Sunday, get to that spot because you will be able to go through for a couple of runs uh in, in, in within an hour or two you know and before you would have been standing waiting like you were at a theme park going on a big ride i agree like compared to gamescom e3 and stuff like that they had to they have the best presence um although i still think they should use an app so people that are really interested in trying it can just sign up for a demo and you can on the playstation vr you can like really choose what you want to play like in this case people stand in line for a while they get a random demo because they can't pick. It's like you get in there and then they pick one for you. So let's say you're a shooter dude and you're going to play some kind of weird ass, I don't know, fun game, then then that's sure. not really appealing to you. You know, you know what I mean? So I feel like even that they are here and dude, it's amazing to see, it's beautiful. They can use these spaces better. They can advertise it better. And because in the long run, it's gonna pay off. And We'll see, you know, when these headsets launch, we're gonna see how much confusion there is. And I already see it on my channel too, you know, I see these comments like, hey, uh, but uh, can I still play my Oculus Rift games on my Oculus Rift S? And that's a VR enthusiast we're talking about. This is not even a consumer we're talking about. I'm really confused that you're like, you're like love for the, the app. I hate mobile app queuing where it's like pick a time, then remember to be there at that time. No, I, I'm more I, about like, I'd rather queue for 20 minutes than book that way. So just, yeah, yeah, can you explain but, that a bit? I mean, what I'm saying here is that the people that are really interested in trying, if they see the booth and they have this poster of saying like, hey, if you want to have a demo, you can sign up. Then you then you have a, a bigger success rate of people, you know, maybe buying the headset because there's so many people that stand in line for VR demos that, you know, they, they, they just wanted to try it. So they know they don't don't really want to, you know, get it yet. Yeah, every yeah. time, like every year, people are like, hmm, maybe I should try it again. Maybe it's better now. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to wait a little longer. You know, that's what at Gamescom happens at E3. People just stand there to so they don't have to buy it, but still try it. I, I think I still think like going to events like this is the best place to try VR for the first time if you haven't tried it before because going into stores we still have zero retail presence there so you know this is the best place we'll find a friend that's got one and try it out but let's quickly talk about um 
quest tracking because um, and, and compare it maybe to Rift S tracking because there is a, a difference. And I think, like you said, you know, maybe uh, Rift S was 95%, Quest was 90%, and you said you had some controller uh, loss of tracking in Quest? Yeah, one of the things that, was, that I noticed the most uh, was frame stutter. Yeah. Frame stutter moving left to right panning, um, where it jumps, like in Dance Central, jumped quite a bit, uh, only a few times, but it was enough that it was like, it was a discernible thing where you're, you're kind of getting the feeling of that lower quality bar. Uh, wasn't wasn't going to impact my gameplay. Like I said, I was I'm I'm still I, I can't believe that they've managed to create the technology that allows you to play. I can't imagine a game that's a harder stress test than Beat Saber on Expert Plus. Like and to be able to do that, I, I've never beaten a, an Expert Plus track yet. If you do, you're a legend. I have not managed, but. To be able to go a third of the way through the track, that that's as far as I've gotten so far in KDA, you know? And and for it to keep up with me, I'm super impressed. I mean, we are talking, we are leagues ahead of PSVR tracking, and I, I think PSVR is fine. This is, like, if I was to say PSVR is at a setting of, let's say, like, 80, yeah. they said, this is up at 90. Like, it's a, it's a chunk better. Um, it's not quite at Rift with three cameras. It's, but, and in between that and Quest, you've got Rift S. Yeah, and I, I also noticed playing Beat Saber that there is slight, very, very slight latency. Yes. Very slight. Very slight. So with, 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 with Rift and uh, Vive, if you're used to playing Beat Saber on those systems, you're used to the very fast latency of those controllers being tracked. With, with Quest, there is latency there. It doesn't hinder the experience. You can still play on Expert. I still played on Expert in my demo. I'm not. I'm not good enough to play on Expert Plus in general on any headset. So I, I couldn't say if it, it held up to that. Uh, hats off to use him. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a little bit of latency there. But in terms of the overall experience, the overall experience is is there. That latency to me feels constant. I'll, I'll compare it to when I'm streaming Beat Saber and my system is under load because I use one PC. It's that amount of latency compared to me doing it offline. It's about, if I was to guess, I'd say like 30 milliseconds or something. It's, it's, it's quite subtle, like 30 to 60. It, it, but it, it's there constantly. So you, you adapt to it naturally. And actually, oh my God, it feels amazing. Like, to be, I, you know what I did? You know the trailer, how they've got the people spinning around? I was doing that, man. I swear, if you haven't done that, do it. It's magical to spin in place, get a block at the next block. Ah, oh, feels, good. feels so, good. So what you guys are talking about here is like the delay between your actual hand holding the controller and the one you see in the game. And because it kind of sounds like that when you're it, talking it, it's about really it. It's really not that exaggerated. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking it's like- like you're dragging your controller along no. and you see it kind of there. It's like, come yeah, here, come yeah. here. It's not like a Wiimote. No, like no Wiimote. way. It, it's just that you're making such a fast movement that you just notice that there's a, like a very, very slight delay. That's that's all it is. But, but I mean, it was the same with the PlayStation VR, you know, with the light tracking, and you could still have fun. And I saw people playing Expert Plus too, and they just, you know, nail it. Uh, um, I, I, I would, I'm on the other side of the fence for PlayStation because I think if you get into Expert or Expert Plus mode on PlayStation, tracking's not good enough for that because you get to the point where you're perfecting, your, you know, a song, you're three quarters of the way through, and you miss a beat because the tracking blips. And I have noticed that consistently on PSVR. So that so we are not in PSVR territory for tracking. We are much better than that. Well, the proof is on YouTube. If you want to look it up, people nail well, it. Really can. So it's possible. If you have the right setup, you can do it. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, tracking wise, I did feel like I had a 
less of a good experience compared to Oculus Connect when the first time I tried it, but that's because they use a different floor than they used at Oculus Connect because at Oculus Connect you had this um, gray concrete floor and they had some lines, but I don't know if that was really a part of the of the whole, yeah, maybe it was, maybe. I think they used like these white uh, lines to kind of line out what's going on. But here they use these, these boots with reflective like floors. They are reflecting because of the lights they have on there. So I did notice with some, some casual games that sometimes your hands kind of stuck and you need to pull it back. But again, it works good enough. That's that's yeah. what it is. And I think, you know, because uh, I went to Coat Sync and I tried it in their room, which was just a normal room, normal carpet, normal furniture. Mm -hmm. And I had the best experience with Quest tracking there than I have on a show floor. And like you said, like, although my tracking experience here at PAX was better than at OC5, I still had some issues. So I think it's gonna be more suited to a home environment than a show floor. Mike, I mean, I just gotta say this. For us, and I think the majority of our time with Quest, we've been in glass boxes, like booth babes. Uh, and I just wanted to highlight that fact because I've, I, I've achieved, we've all achieved a level of uh, permeation into conventions now that I just don't want to back down from, you know. Being, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud, booth babe. You're, you're a proud, booth babe. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so you guys like what you're talking about, like the tracking. You tried it in those in those spots, like they have terrible. these sealed off uh, places where you can play. Like I played it at consumer level, so I played in the in the booths where consumers oh, go right, to where right, they stand right, in yeah, line. Yeah. Um, but it's still glass, isn't it? There's still glass. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a different like floor. I do feel like you know reflective floors are not the best thing. Like you know blocking out light in the first place that comes out of a window. I think that's that's a necessity to kind of you know try to avoid that even with a quest i wonder i will ask the oculus team if they would permit me to go into daylight with the headset and just give it a go because i'm really there, there is no way they're gonna let you leave this building with one of those headsets in your hand i guarantee it yeah there is no way like a leash like a, a baby leash um but is there anything else you guys want to talk about uh, Quest in terms of your experience? Like we could maybe talk about the comfort very quickly because it uses the same strap as the original Rift, which in my opinion was always the most comfortable. Uh, it's a little, the only thing I would say is a little bit different, a little bit more rubbery uh, in terms of the, the back strap. So it's not as solid. One thing I haven't tried, I'll try this afternoon is laying down on that carpet that we're on just to see. If, can I just watch this when this happens, please? Absolutely, you can watch it, Mike. Um, but I'm just wondering because the the big selling point for me on the go again is lying down comfort and the ability to reposition in that position. I just wonder if you can, because remember they were talking about 2080, then 8020 on the uh, on the Quest. I, I wonder if you could ingest media on this device or if it's only sitting up on your couch, if you were gonna do it. You know, I'm really curious about that, especially with the you know improved storage, because someone might say, Hey, I, I sit up on my couch. I want this headset for gaming every so often, but actually I, you know, I'm more of a 50, 50 guy, guy or gal. And I actually consume media as well, because that might be an important thing. And if you're going to go for 128, you know, uh, uh, gigabyte edition, you might want to sideload some movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, comfort's pretty good. Uh, tracking's good. I, uh, what I do uh, want to see in the near future is that I noticed that most of the games that are getting announced right now are Quest titles, and that's awesome. But the thing is, because you know um, the the Quest and the Rift S are can be parted so easily now in terms of games, I just don't want to see only Quest games coming to the PC platform because there is still a difference between the genre PC VR games and the standalone VR games. 
Uh, yeah, you make a really good point. Like Asgard's Wrath and Stormland are good examples. You know, they're, they're PC games. They're never going to be on standalone. Well, not in the foreseeable future anyway. You know, maybe a few years time, yes. But right now, no. And when you look at those games, like graphically, they are gorgeous. Like some of the most impressive graphics I've seen in a VR game yet. Stormland in particular, like that game is incredible. But also mechanics wise, you know, it's not yeah. just about graphics. It's like you can do more with, you can have more interaction, things like that. It feels more alive. A larger Thanks. environment, for instance, it's, it's it's what I would call the old um, kind of Crytek engine challenge of I want to see a vast expanse in front of me and I don't want it to just be in cell shaded low poly. I, I want like a rich environment. Yeah. You can't really do that on the quest. Yeah. Although, although I never argue. Cell shaded low poly, oh, Dance oh. Central. And, and Journey, to, uh, Journey, Journey, of the Gods. Journey of the Gods are both really satisfying titles. Yeah. On. We should probably talk about that. So like, um, you know, the demos on the show floor we got to try on Quest were Beat Saber, Journey of the Gods, Sports Scramble, and Dance Central. And on Rift S, we could play Asgard's Wrath, Stormland, or Dance Central. Um, so they're the demos we had access to. Um, maybe we should choose one each to talk about. Um, and as I started with Dance Central, maybe I should choose that one. Um, but yeah, in terms of like its, its art style, it's cell shaded, right? Uh, a bit like Borderlands. And we know from playing Borderlands 2 on the PSVR, that art style works incredibly well in VR. And I wish more developers would adopt it because I think it looks great. It performs great, yeah. Looks great. Exactly. And so in Dance Central, it's clear that Audica was Harmonic's little side baby because they were clearly working on this one hardcore because this has got a really high level of polish. Um, if you're used to playing Dance Central games on like Kinect or like with other systems, you're gonna love this. Like the, the the lineup is pretty decent with in terms of music. And like, I was really getting into it. And like, like it must be embarrassing because it's a bit like Beat Saber, you know, you, you feel like in the headset, you feel like you're doing amazing. You're like, oh yeah. Oh, it's well worse, Mike. We were watching. Oh, well, there you go. You know, I, I could be like, you know, rocking up to the club and like breaking out these moves. But in reality, you know, you do look like a bit of an idiot, but that's fine because I was having such a great time. And I think this alongside Beat Saber is one of those great party games with the quest. Take it around to a friend's house, have a few beers, swap the headset over, all have like a, just a right laugh playing this game. So I don't know, what games do you guys want to talk about? I just want to say one thing about Dan Central. As a long time Dan Central player, it felt a little bit creepy to be that close to the dancer in front of me and like mimicking her movements and stuff. It just felt a little bit socially awkward. But one thing that they did in that game that we have to highlight because I think it's 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 a very wise choice from a GUI perspective. They have you take out a mobile phone or a cell phone and you just interact with that. And it's like cheating because it's just a 2D menu, but they put it on a phone and you're like, oh, sweet. I'm just going to navigate, chuck it back there, keep going. So smart. Harmonics, great job. Um, Game I wanted to talk about, Asgard's Wrath, because you hyped me up for this, as usual. You know when you, you respect someone's opinion and then they like, like with Vertigo last week, I don't know if you heard that. Um, good good recommendation, by the way, Nathie. Vertigo's great. We got to see that come on to Quest, I hope, if they're uh, willing to port it. Asgard's Wrath, not so much for the, let's say, the story mode where you do a boss battle and you've got this Kraken coming at you. I mean, impressive to a degree, but as my gamer in me says, too simple very boxed, very, you know, triggered events. And it's like, it doesn't excite me. The the combat in the kind of gladiator ring system, few things there that really impressed me. Off the bat, 
I'm a big Magic the Gathering player. People who play Magic will know who Sarah Angel is. You essentially have this this Xena-esque, um, uh, like, Lord, you know, Queen of Blades wings uh, angel that, that comes down, descends before you. You have a beating heart that you must sacrifice to this woman. Her armor and all that, I mean, not only is she a looker, she looks great. The armor, the detail, it's coming through the headset. It's like, it, this is a, a very impressive moment. And she's she's quite big. She's like one and a half humans tall. You sacrifice the heart to her, and then boom, the kind of undead orcs or whatever come up out of the ground and start attacking you. And the first thing they do is they throw a blade at your face. And if you're, if you've got good reactions, you're like, Duh! and you block with a shield or something that you've picked up. And then through the shield, the blade comes halfway through, a piece falls off the shield and you're like, holy shit, what's going on? And then you grab your blade and you're hacking him. And then you cut the guy in half, like something out of, you know, Game of Thrones or something. Like that moment was like, oh shit, this is pretty good. And I was dancing, you know, fucking demo, demo people here at Oculus, they tricked me for an hour. I was hammering it, jumping around the room, trying to kill, you know, the final boss basically in this in this ring, and only to realize he was unkillable. So whoever did made that design choice for demos, feck you. <laughs> but it was a beautiful experience, and I hope everyone gets excited for it. So I hope, I hope, 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 because you guys know how much I like Skyrim. I hope they have a single player that is at least convincing, even if it's linear. Those uh, combat mechanics, the ability to slice someone's arm off and then hit their opponents with it. Heads as well, by the way, you can do bowling. I've done it. Um, beautiful, really well done. The physics are solid. And to be able to play that game on Rift S, it looks great, like you said, just like uh, just like Stormland. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with, with Asgard's Wrath, um, it was one of those games that I just thought was challenging, but in the best possible way. So it, it's gonna be really difficult to get into the game. You know, you're gonna have to learn the parrying mechanics, using a shield, using your melee weapons effectively. You've also got an ax that you can throw. Uh, it comes back, it's a boomerang it's, ax. Exactly. It's a magical boomerang ax that goes out and comes back like Xena's little uh, shikara or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're gonna have to learn how to be good at this game, but then when you are good at it and you finally do nail that sort of like kill where you're slicing an enemy in half or taking their head off, the satisfaction is like, hell yeah, I nailed this. And that's what's really great about it. But of course, you know, we didn't really get to see much of the story other than that Kraken boss fight, which again, I kind of share your opinion about. I thought it was very scripted and a bit, yeah. I was more interested in the, the melee combat. So, so we're still like, we're still having to find out if in the long run, if you played this for like maybe eight hours, it's still that that Falna's at the start. Exactly, and, and the thing is, you know, Oculus and Sanzaru games are both sort of touting, you know, this is a 30 hour game, this is a 30 hour game. So I'm really intrigued how they, exactly, yeah. they stretch this content out to keep us engaged for 30 hours. Yeah, and I hope it's not just a bunch of pinch points on a timeline of yeah. scripted set. Now scripted set. Yeah. Now, like if there is some open world-esque, even if it's limited, like Fable or something like that. Like even if it's like somewhat restricted, I would go for that. I would go for that. It doesn't have to be completely Skyrim, uh, like open world, but uh, that's that's I'm very interested in. Well, it already looks more appealing to me than Marvel Powers United, so I feel like they did a way better job, and I think they're heading into the right direction. Um, so I'm gonna keep it short because I haven't played that much. You know, I've been running around talking to people. Uh, I, I still have to get like my more hands on with the you know the quest and the rift. Uh, also to point out, you know, Dan Central is a quest game. Although I do feel like that might come to PC as well, could, could work. Oh, it is there, on there, PC there's too. A build, but the build here, like I was oh, okay, cautioned okay. not to play it because it's not okay. working perfectly. So okay. uh, it, it is also okay. PC. I didn't do that, but that, that's that's good to hear. And and Asgard's Wrath is a uh, PC VR title. 
You can't play that with the quest. Just to try, no. I'm trying to to educate people while we're you yes. know doing this podcast. Doing job for them, I yeah, think. I've been doing a great job so far, right? I mean, yes. yeah. Um, so so I played uh, Journey of the Gods uh, on on the on the quest. Um, yeah, it's great. You know, it's uh, like this cartoony like you know art style. It reminds you of like Zelda, you know, the Wind Waker uh, game, and um, yeah, it's super badass. Um, I, I do want to play it again at home because you know we we are using these uh, inbuilt audio right now and I can barely hear what what's going on, but it's it's fun you know I was laughing a little bit and uh, you know the animations were super cute and uh, yeah no it's 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 an awesome title I think it's one of the the best ones uh, they have here on the show floor. I, I think people are gonna love that title. I'm glad you picked it because isn't this the one that they were talking about? Someone had said earlier they're like this is gonna be like Zelda esque and I think there were a lot of opinion pieces that were saying yeah it's probably not going to be like zelda but it is it definitely is feeling like zelda like you've dropped been dropped into the world and some of the bad guys you fight in that like large like dune worms you know pop up out of the ground and it's colorful and as you said mike they do the cell shading really well in that game so i actually think out of the three titles we mentioned that might end up being like a fan favorite because you know how people latch on to things like zelda that give you that vibe i also got kind of a twinge of windlands kind of flavor in it as well so it's that kind of like Little bit of zen, little bit of combat. It's a good game. Yeah, like you have the choice. You've got like a, a sword, you've got a shield, which looks like the Hillian shield from Zelda. Like <laughs> it's got the same band on it, it's, it's identical. And, and, and the best thing is you can become like 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 in Asgard, um, you can become like a giant too. Exactly. You can become like a god and you can switch between that. Um, and you know, they had smooth locomotion, they had teleportation. No, they didn't, they don't do teleportation at all. They, so. they go for it completely. And I said like, you know, it might be for some people, but I think it's the way forward, of I course. I can't uh, choose at the beginning. No, you can't teleport. I asked okay. them. I said, like, can, okay. can I teleport? They're like, no, we're not going to do that anymore because these bosses are shooting stuff at you and you have these all these creatures and teleportation kind of killed the experience, they right, said. Right, right. Um, but it's good to hear that developers yeah. are trying to also move on now because, yeah. you know, teleportation is slowly, I feel like, kind of fading away. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 awesome. And in, in this this title was was uh, really nice also for people that don't have that much space because not everyone who, who's going to buy a quest is gonna have that much space. So it was also a good standing experience. You know, you didn't, in this one, you could just stand on one spot and use your thumbstick to, to run around. Awesome. So is there anything else you guys wanna talk about? Rift S or Quest before we wrap this one up? Feels kind of weird without having a live audience now. It's not like I can ask, ask people like, what, you got any questions? <laughs> Stare into their soul for a minute, Mike, and just be like, if you've got a question, put it in chat now. Yeah. Um, I'm sure like we'll try and be in the chat whilst this show's being aired. Um, but anything else you guys want to add while we, before we wrap it up? I mean, I just think that that big looming question of if you had $400, which one would you be buying? If you were a, a consumer, walked in off the street, demoed here, you tried both. Yeah. Frankly, which which one of those two headsets would you choose? Okay, so if you own a powerful if enough, you own a powerful enough PC. exactly. If you own a powerful enough PC, Rift S is the way to go. Yeah. If you don't, then Quest is the obvious choice. So that that is the only key factor in making that decision in my mind. Um, yeah, I would say wait for the reviews and see, yeah. because there are so many nice headsets out there. You know, in the standalone genre, Quest. There aren't many options. Yeah. It's only the Quest right now, but PC-wise, there are many more headsets that you should consider at the moment next to the Rift S. Because, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with you, Nathy, because I think that the game lineup on Quest, which is still not fully out there, we know a lot of titles that are coming, but things like 
playing the Battle Royale mode of Rec Room on Quest might be amazing to physically duck in a bush in your room or whatever and play that. There's like 50 odd titles. So software might swing my needle over to recommend Quest in that decision, even if you've got the PC for it. No, it's a really it's a really valid point. And Vader Immortal, we still don't know if that's coming to Rift yet. So that might be a quest. And the respawn title. And the respawn title that's coming to Rift S might swing it the other way. So there's loads of things to consider in the future. I'm really it's really cool actually. It's a really great time for us because we've got so much content to talk about, so much stuff to be excited about, loads of games to play. It's going to very very be a very busy uh, few months ahead for us, I think. But uh, we're going to have an absolute blast doing it. We're going to be sharing it, of course, on all our channels and stuff and always keep you informed on the podcast as well just before we close up mike the one thing that i think surprised all of us no news nor formal celebration of the third anniversary it was kind of an odd vacate you know point i like what was up with this vacuum that was strange one one word f8 yeah exactly it's, you know the thing is i forgot the forget the anniversary you know f8 i, I said that you know I, I originally said it was f8 and then i thought Rift S might launch on the anniversary while we're all here so we can all like run to Best Buy and just take one home in our luggage, but that's not the case. So you're going to the dark side for one moment, it's like, oh, birthday, this must be one of the conspiracies, you know? I was convinced, but uh, you know, that's not the case. Sadly, we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer. I think the release date is one of the biggest questions for everyone right now. I know, it's spring. <laughs> like spring 2019 is going to be burned into our minds for years to come i think the time that we waited forever for spring but um yeah i can tell you it's going to be f8 i'm going to give you one reason why mark zuckerberg needs to hold this oculus quest needs to hold this oculus rift s because it will create more noise in the end well there you go it's going to be like F8, likely. So if you don't know when that is, it's yes. 30th of April to the 1st of May, I believe. Uh, but let's wrap up the show. Just a reminder, this is a weekly VR, AR, and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitch. You can tune into the show live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, and 12 midday in Central US. Also check out the audio version available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Anchor. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed this one. We're going to be home by uh, next episode, so we'll be back in our usual surroundings, live streaming with Rowdy again, of course. Hope Rowdy's had a great time. He's been uh, doing like some sort of ceremony for getting married. Yeah. So hats off to him. We've missed him, actually. It's, uh, it's been a shame to not have him here with us. But yeah, have a great week in VR. We'll see you next week. And until then, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Ciao.